everybody, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies, the book author series um, of podcasts. My name is Deborah Carney. I'm your host, and I'm joined today by author Shell Horowitz. Hi, Shell. How are you? Just great, Debbie. How about you? I'm doing fine. Um, why don't you introduce yourself to the folks and let them know a little bit about your background? Okay. I have written eight books. Four of them published traditionally with houses like Simon & Schuster, Wiley, Chelsea Green, and four that I self-published. And interestingly enough, three of my traditionally published books started as self-published books. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of unusual. And I did one book, one of my self-published books, Grassroots Marketing for Authors and Publishers, was actually co-published. There's an edition that I did, and then there's an edition that Infinity, which is one of the subsidy houses, the so-called self-publishing companies. Um, they also did an edition of that as well. So I've done it pretty much any way you can do it. I actually um, did my first ebook, believe it or not, in 1995. <laughs> you just didn't have anywhere to put it. <laughs> yeah, it was a different world then. This was I had to bought back the rights to my book, Marketing Without Megabucks, from Simon & Schuster, and bought back the inventory. And between 1991 when I wrote that book and 1995 when I took it back, this little thing happened in the marketing world called the internet. Yep. So the book needed to be, I was sitting on 2,000 copies and I wasn't going to just stop selling them because the information that needed to be there wasn't there. So I wrote a supplement and at first I gave it away with every order and then as a Microsoft Word file. And then it got so big and full of information that I ended up charging an extra $5 for it. And almost everybody who ordered the book directly from me took the update. So there mm-hmm. I was publishing an ebook in 1995. No, but that's great because I'm one of the Internet pioneers as well. I've been on since, since back in the day. And, um, you know, it was a good time to be able to get that out to people because you know, however it was that you were selling your your print book, you know you had a, you had some place for them to go and buy from you. So, you know, was it a case where you had people mailing you checks, or I don't even sure remember when PayPal came cards, out. You but, could take um, work, okay? But I I got a lot of checks. Yep, those were the days when you would go out to your mailbox and get a stack of checks and go to the bank and make the teller roll her eyes at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had an occasional day like that. Yeah. Pile of, big pile of checks. That's how it was with affiliate checks, too, back then. I'm, I was in affiliate marketing back then, and, you know, nobody had networks that, you know, have compiled payments now. Everybody had individual ones, so you'd have checks for $20 and $30 and $500, and they all came from different places, so... Yeah. I've never been much good at affiliate sales. I, I've certainly tried, and just yeah. doesn't seem to be what I do well. Well, and then you stick with what you do well, and it have, it obviously worked because you, like you said, you were selling your ebooks back in 1995 when not very many people even knew what the internet was. Yeah, and the word ebook didn't exist yet. Yeah, it was just um, <laughs> it was a a DVD or a CD with the book on it. Or did you even have a download file? I had a download file, yeah. Okay. A Microsoft Word document. I don't oh, know right. It PDF. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, wow. Okay. We won't stay back there very long. So, <laughs> <laughs> after you graduated from that, uh, what came along next? Uh, let's see. I guess the next big thing in my publishing career was that I was attending my second book, Expo America, 
and I was wearing a t-shirt promoting my book, The Penny Pinching Hedonist, and I saw this foam board from a publisher I was not familiar with named Chelsea Green, and it talked about sustainable hedonism, and I went and found the publisher in the back of the booth, and I pointed to his foam board, and I pointed to my t-shirt, and I said, we have to talk. <laughs> six months later, we had talked ourselves into a book contract. Nice. For This is actually the an updated, revised version of the book I'd done with Simon & Schuster, for which I did the early e-book, was called Grassroots Marketing, Getting Noticed in a Noisy World. And both of those books trace themselves back to a, my first self-published book in 1985, wow. which was a book on low-cost marketing. And I just kept expanding and rewriting and finding another publisher for it. So <laughs> it's, that, uh, that came out in 2000. And then in... 2002, I guess it was, I started to realize there were all these business scandals uh, happening, WorldCom and Enron, and then the, the business pages were a mess with all of this stuff. And I kind of thought that the work that I'd been doing in, in low-cost marketing tended to emphasize very ethical approaches. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I've got something to share with this world. So I actually started writing the first 10,000 words of what became principled profit marketing that puts people first on the deck of a cruise ship <laughs> and uh, using a handspring visor, which is like a Palm Pilot with a fold-out keyboard. I've always been into portable technology. Yeah. got my first laptop in 1986. Ooh, that had to be a brick. <laughs> it was a brick, yeah. It was only four pounds, but it had 24K of memory. It was a Tandy Model 100. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to I had to upload the file every two hours because I'd be out of memory. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, oh man, those were the days. But anyway, I, I wrote this book called Principal Profit, and I, I realized that I had a, a message that doing the right thing in business wasn't just you didn't only do it because it was the right thing, although that's certainly part of your motivation. But you also did it because it's profitable. You can be yep. more successful doing the right thing. Are you getting a lot of echo from me? Um, I'm not getting any at all. Are you getting echo from me? I'm getting echo from me. By um, the way, folks, everyone who knows me is going to think that that's my cat, and no, no my cats my are cat. locked up. It's my cat. He just came in. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're cat friendly. Okay. Um, so, I actually had some nibbles on this. People heard about the project and wanted to publish it or wanted to get involved in some way. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do it my way, make it successful, and then come back to New York some years later and let them publish a book when I had a better negotiating position. So I self-published this. Mm -hmm. And I got in the life of the book more than 80 endorsements, including people like uh, Mark Joyner, the internet marketer, uh, Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup. <laughs> that nice. one went on the cover, and I saw, I watched that one sell books. People would pick up the book and they'd uh, look at the cover and then they'd flip to the back cover, and there's Jack Canfield's blurb, and they'd say, Wow, how'd you get Jack Canfield? And then they'd open the book and they'd see the other 50 endorsements that were there by the time I went to press. And usually that's about when they pulled out their wallet and said, I need this now. Send me a twenty dollar <laughs> bill and said, "Keep the change. I just need this." Yeah. And I saw that happen again and again. So I'm a big believer in the power of endorsements, obviously. Yeah. And um, that book was reviewed in Publishers Weekly. Again, this is a self-published book. It was resold to publishers in both Mexico and India. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, you know, received critical acclaim, and I like to think it had at least something to do with changing the climate of business in this country. It didn't sell an enormous number of copies. But then I took that to New York, and actually Mike jo- Mark Joyner, who had given me an endorsement for that book, I had sent him, this is a wild story, about the power of partnerships and the power of reaching out. Mm-hmm. One day in my inbox, I saw that one of the resellers for my book on having fun cheaply had forwarded an order, and I opened up the order, and it's Mark Joyner. And this is an $8.50 e-book, and they were getting half. So I'm getting four and a quarter on this sale. Okay. Okay, but I knew who Mark Joyner was. I'd been on his list for a while. And I wrote to him, and I said, here's your e-book. And by the way, I'd like to send you this other book, Principal Profit, as a gift. I think it will really resonate with you. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, you send it to this address in New Zealand. I'm like, ugh, New Zealand. It's going to cost me more in posters than I made on the sale. But I did it, <laughs> and it did. <laughs> but I did. I sent it to New Zealand, and he loved the book and sent me an endorsement. And then um, we had some projects that we did together back and forth. I interviewed him for my list and my radio show, an exclusive interview on his views on marketing and social change. And then uh, he asked me if I would do a chapter for what became The Great Formula. It was actually a half chapter by the time it was finished. And then, uh, I forget, we collaborated one or two other things. And then, lo and behold, one day I opened up my inbox, and there was something from Mark. And it said, "Uh, would you like to have the name of my editor at Wiley? Well, yeah. (laughs) So... So I pitched Wiley on updated, expanded, revised version of Principled Profit, marketing that puts people first. Right. It was a very interesting process. I had self-published originally with that book. As I said, I, I actually had some people interested, but I wanted to do it my way, and this really bore out the wisdom of that because, like they said to me, you cannot have the word ethics in the title because I had originally suggested, uh, after I pulled Jed Levinson and uh, made it a guerrilla marketing book, Mm-hmm. I, I suggested that we call it guerrilla marketing ethics. And they said, no, we're not going to have anything with ethics in the title. Ethics is the kiss of death. Well, I don't think so, but all right, you're the publisher. Um, so anyway, I, I, they were sitting on the proposal for quite a while, and I thought to myself, well, if they say no, I should ask Jay Levinson if he wants to do this as a guerrilla marketing book. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of hit me. They said yes, and I thought, ah, duh, you could still ask Jay. Mm-hmm. Wiley, what do you think about making this a guerrilla marketing book and bringing in Jay Levinson if he's interested? I'm like, oh, you mean we can have two marketing superstars? Yeah, we like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually had an old email address from Jay at AOL when I had interviewed him in like 1995, and astoundingly enough, it still worked. And I wrote to him and said, I think this book would resonate with you. What do you think? And he was delighted. And this became my eighth book, Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green, which nice. has, um, was named a groundbreaking indie book by in- independent publisher magazine, only the fifth book ever to get that award, nice. and has been released in Turkish and Italian editions and has about 50 endorsements. Unfortunately, I couldn't get Canfield. He never answered my mail when I asked him, could I use that blurb again? Um, which is really a shame because, as I said, I watched it sell books, but I also know that he's somebody who could totally bring me to court if I used it without his permission. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't want to do that. No, so it went without that one. But, you know, it has certainly done a good job of establishing my credibility in the green world, which is a place that I've been for 40 years. Mm-hmm. 
has also been in the marketing world for about 40 years. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to be able to braid these two strands together. And um, in between the self-published principled profit and the traditionally published guerrilla marketing goes green, which about about the book is about 65,000 words and about 45,000 words were in the old book. Mm -hmm. But there's significant new content. Well, yeah, because everything is constantly changing in the marketing world, so you needed to update it and keep it right. fresh. And in the world of green and ethical business, yes. both of those worlds are changing very rapidly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I did Principal Profit, you did not hear people talking about climate change. And now right. you have soccer moms campaigning to get cola out of their kids' schools. I mean, it's really right. a very different world in a lot of ways. So this is all very exciting. In between those two things, I did self-publish another book called grassroots marketing for authors and publishers. And people have been telling me for years that I know so much about book marketing, I really ought to do a book just on book marketing, and I finally decided they were right. <laughs> and I'm actually in the middle of revising that one now, and my plan is not to come out with another big single-volume book, but to break it up into, I don't know, four, five, six e-books, sell them on Kindle, sell them on iTunes, see what happens. Because I haven't done a book that's only an, an e-book. I did... Um, my um, Penny Pinching Heatmix, the book I'm having fun cheaply that got me the contact with Mark Joyner, who I finally got to meet only about a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, he no longer lives in New Zealand. And um, he told me when we met that it was actually his wife that uh, wanted him to order that book for her. Nice. But um, that book I took out of print in 2003, having had huge national publicity and very slow sales. And replaced it with an ebook at half the price. Mm -hmm. And that one, actually, my timing was perfect because I pulled it off and then it was featured on, I believe that was the time it was featured on the MSN homepage. Okay. Uh, not, a bad, on, not bad placement. <laughs> yes. I, it's also been on the homepages of AOL and um, PayPal and what was the other big one? Um, forget <laughs> um, good problem to have MSN, PayPal um, anyway AOL and I think there was one other of like a, a really huge website but anyway MSN did it and two things had happened one is I had converted to an ebook and dropped the price in half and the other was that I had just signed up for Google AdWords so the first month I was on Google AdWords I got a $600 check from them plus I sold 60 ebooks because of MSN nice never done anything like that before or since <laughs> but it was a very good month it worked that time yeah so that's my journey as uh, an author of course there's the whole other side where i help other people go from unpublished writer to well-published author well one of the things that i like to ask the authors that i'm interviewing on this series is uh, we'll get to the marketing in a minute but about the book process itself now, your specialty is, of course, nonfiction and is uh, focused on green, and you have realized what your niche is and where you fit in. And what would you say to a new author that's just coming out that's thinking about publishing nonfiction and they're not quite sure what direction to go in? What, what would be your advice to them? Number one, follow your passion. Number two, make sure your passion leads you to someplace that there's a market. That was the mistake I made with the penny pinching hedonist. I certainly had passion for the topic. I've always been big on helping people save money. But 
the problem with the frugality market is they don't effing buy anything. Right. They're frugal. <laughs> so, you know, I thought that there would be two markets for that book. I thought there would be frugal people who wanted to have more fun in their lives, and those people don't buy anything. Yeah. And then I thought there'd also be a market of people who were overspending on fun and would like to still see a lot of concerts and plays, go out to eat and travel, but leave more money in their wallets. And that market turned out to be just too hard to identify and, and yeah. locate. So the book was a commercial flop. <laughs> but but my goodness, oh, the media loved it. It was so sexy to the media. Right. It was in the Cleveland Plain Dealer with a huge story. It was in Reader's Digest. It was in Women's Day multiple times. I, on and on, Christian Science Monitor. Um, really, it, it was a very good target. It was a very pitchable book. It's just nobody bought it. Right. <laughs> so it took you were hitting the wrong years. market. Yeah, you were hitting the wrong market at the wrong time. Yeah, I, it might have done much better in the recession, but at that point I'd lost interest in it. Right. Um, I still sell the ebook, but I, I don't actively promote it, and people buy it when they buy it. And right. It, it is, I mean, it's an $8.50 purchase that will save the average person $2,000 easily in the next few years if they put in even a small percentage of the, um, of the suggestions there. But yeah. it's kind of a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, and I like the idea that you're going to publish your next series as just ebook because, being that you're trying to be green, you know, less paper. Yeah, uh, is and I, I've already switched. My last self-published book was done on demand, and there's not any inventory sitting gathering dust in a warehouse. I order a couple of hundred as I need them. Right. And. Um, uh, that that so I probably will once the PDF files are done I will make it available in book form for people who want a hard copy but I'll just print them as they're ordered there will be no inventory maybe right. I'll do a few copies if I'm doing a, a talk to a publishing conference you know maybe I'll run off five or ten copies that I can sell but mm -hmm. basically there will not be any inventory yeah and that's an interesting point to bring up because there are still people that want to hold physical physical books in their hands so you will still give people that option but like you said you're not going to get a thousand or two thousand books printed up and have them sitting gathering dust somewhere and you know you killed so many trees to to get them done the print on demand industry for um print books is actually a very green alternative it's more expensive than doing it the other way and ordering in quantity well but, it isn't i mean okay so my grassroots marketing book for authors costs about $4 a copy to print on demand. Mm -hmm. Okay? And this is the book I co-published with Infinity. So if I was paying a, a print-on-demand publisher to do the book, it's about $9, which begins to feel like there is no profit margin doing that. And that's one of the reasons these companies never do really the right thing for their authors is because the economics aren't there. Mm -hmm. um, so if I were printing offset... I'd probably be paying two and a half, three dollars a copy, depending on how many I printed. But I would be tying up thousands of dollars in capital. I'd be mm -hmm. tying up several hundred square feet of my attic. Mm -hmm. um, I would be carrying all those books up and down the stairs because the attic is the third floor of my house, and we <laughs> have stairs. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a lot of other trade-offs. And for me, not having to spend the capital, not having to waste the trees, and knowing that I do not sell vast quantities of books, 
you know, I, I don't move them out the way a Stephen King does. Right. Or a J.K. Rowling. It doesn't make sense for me to, even though the, the cost per book is lower, let's face it, if I'm paying 4 or $5 a book and the list price is twenty four ninety five, there's something in there for me. Yeah, exactly. And and it's and it's so much more convenient for everybody. Like you said, like I mean, I use CreateSpace for my print books, so mm-hmm. I don't even I don't even house them myself. I just have them go straight out from yeah. CreateSpace. Yeah, and I, I will if, do CreateSpace or Lightning Source. Right, certainly. Yeah. Lightning Source. There's you know there's any number of them now. You know, a few years ago you could name them all on you know one hand and now there's you know they're all yeah, now, the now pretty much any printer will offer on-demand services but i think only create space and lightning source are really well set up to get you into the bookstores if they want to special order you right but you can one of the other things about on-demand printing is you can actually use multiple printers yep there's no reason you can't have more than one person doing your printing so if for example let's say you get a book club deal and you need 2,000 copies create space might not be the best choice but you can take the same file and go to someplace like Thompson Shore right which does excellent work I've done a few client projects with them and always been very happy and you'll pay half the cost per copy and they'll you know just ship them off to the book club for you mm-hmm. and but uh, and in fact, Thompson Shore, like most printers these days, will also do digital for you. Right. Probably probably a, a better quality job than CreateSpace or Lightning. Which but is they, which they is awesome. Yeah. They won't be as cheap. What you don't want to do is the the companies that say they're self publishing companies and they're really not because the definition of a publisher is the person who issued the ISBN. Right. If you have your own ISBN, you're the publisher, even if CreateSpace or Lulu printed it. Right. If they gave you one from their block, they're the publisher. Right. And that has more implications than people think it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of negativity attached to using one of those. Plus, of course, as I said before, the economics are much more challenging. Mm-hmm. I do recommend, if you're going to self-publish, that you truly self-publish, and I also recommend that you bring in an experienced book shepherd to help you through the process. It's not easy. There's a long learning curve, and uh, it's much better to, if you're going to put your heart and soul into a book, you want it to be the best book you can. Mm-hmm. I just uh, finished a project, actually, um, with a woman whose native language is not English, right? and she had done nine previous self-published books not one of which is going to do anything in the market because people are going to pick it up and look at it and say, huh? (laughs) And um, I had to really work with her on the idea that the cover that she had designed herself in probably 15 minutes was not appropriate. Right. And uh, that was a bit of work, but she was so delighted with the finished product that she actually put my name on the cover as a with credit. She wanted to give me a full co-authorship, and I said, no, this is really your ideas. All I did is make them come to life. Right. <laughs> but, um, and now she came back to me. The book has only been out since June, and she's made one of the category bestseller lists on Amazon, and she's very, very happy. And I just finished writing a book proposal for her to send to a traditional publisher. Nice. Yeah. So going through you, you shepherded her through her first one, but then when she hits the traditional publishing space, she gets to have that learning curve all over again. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm there to help her with it and get paid yeah. for it. <laughs> and, that's, and that's awesome. And there are a lot of people that don't understand that there are services out there like that that can help them. They figure, oh, I finished my book, 
Now what? And Yeah, and the first thing is that you want to be thinking about the marketing before you even write chapter one. Yeah. You want to be thinking about the marketing while you're doing the outline, particularly for nonfiction, but even for fiction. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm hearing that more and more from people that um, they're being told, like a lot of people that are submitting to traditional media now are also being asked, what's your marketing plan and where's your platform? And where's your platform, yeah. And that's the reason why when in 2003 I had the opportunity to traditionally publish Principal Profit, I wanted to do it myself. Because when I came back to Wiley and said, okay, this book has won these awards, and it has these incredible endorsements, and uh, this and this and this and this, it was a very different conversation from, oh, uh, here I am trying to publish with you because I can't do it myself. I was coming from a position of strength. Mm -hmm. And I was able to negotiate a much better contract than the average new author walking in off the street. Right, because you had a proven product and you knew you, they knew that you didn't need them. It would be yep. a good partnership, but you could survive and keep selling your book without the partnership. Right, and in fact, you know, Wiley typically pays for a nonfiction book from an author of my status or lower about $15,000 advance. Mm-hmm. They offered me twenty five, and I said, well, I've got to share that with Jay. Can you do any better? And so they upped it to 30 Now, interestingly enough, 30 divided by 2 is... 15. So um, I came out dollar for dollar with the same advance of my half that I would have gotten for doing it without Jay. Mm-hmm. But I got to have the incredible cachet of his brand. Guerrilla Marketing is the most famous marketing brand in the world. Yeah. You know, people who have never heard of Saatchi and Saatchi or even Ogilvy and Mather, they know Guerrilla Marketing and they probably yeah. read at least one of the books. Yep. And, um, yeah, we all yeah. bought them from the bookstores before the internet existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I am, for the rest of my life, I'm a guerrilla marketing author. Yep. And we were able to do things like, of course, I got to reach Jay's, at the time, 84,000 members to his membership program with the yep. book. Uh, it was very easy to get a marketing charity partner for the launch. Yeah. We uh, went with Co-op America, Green America, rather. It used okay. to be Co-op America. And they had 94,000 people. It was very easy to get an A-list forward. Uh, and we got Stephen M. R. Covey, the, um, not the Seven Habits guy, but his son, who wrote The Speed of Trust, which is an incredible book. Okay, yep, I've heard of it. Um, and, uh, you know, so a lot of doors were open to me by doing this partnership with Jay. A lot of people said to me, well, why are you doing this? You're going to end up doing all the work. And, yeah, I did. Um, but then all of these other things fell into place. I even got to write my own cover for the book. They took out one phrase I, I really liked, but other than that, the back cover of the book is what I wrote. Okay. And so now I can say that I've written a cover for Wiley. That's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. So um, another thing, so basically you're telling people to make sure that they are that they are starting their platform as soon as they get their book idea. And like you said, that is resonating through fiction and nonfiction. It's yeah. something that I'm hearing quite frequently. And it's actually something that surprised me because I know a lot of authors that, you know, they're sitting on manuscripts or they're sitting on books they wrote years ago and they don't know how to market them. And mm-hmm. we're <laughs> the irony of it is most of them are marketing people and mm-hmm. are internet marketing people. 
but they can sell other people's stuff and they can help their clients, but they don't know what to do when it comes to doing their own marketing. Well, fortunately, they can call me if they want. But <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. It's, there's so much you can do, and you want to be building relationships long before you need them. You want to be reaching out to people who will help you with the launch before you have the book. Before right. You know, and, and you want to be building a newsletter list and building your social media profile. And for most nonfiction books, there is not time sensitivity. I mean, if you wrote right. a book on how to survive the coming Y2K crisis and you yeah, waited until 2005 to put it out, well, you're done. You're toast. But, you know, by and large, most nonfiction books, if you take a year or two to ramp up your marketing machine and have it ready when the book is out, that's time well spent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to make sure the production values are as good as they can. You know, you you don't want people do judge books by their covers. Yeah. People judge books by their interior design. If you throw up a book that's done in a Microsoft Word file in Times Roman 12 point with standard letting, and you do a cover out of a template somewhere with clip art, yeah. don't think people aren't going to know. People yeah. can spot those things a half a mile away. Now, hey, I like doing my books in, in Microsoft Word. <laughs> but, right, do your books in Microsoft Word and then turn the file over to somebody who is good with InDesign before you right, go to press. Right. And I also have professionally designed covers, and I'm mostly, most of my books are photography-based. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so layout is really important for yeah, those. Yeah, layout is really important. So I, I do have those visual elements. But it, you are right that you need to pull somebody else in and not think that you can do it all at once. Now, when you built your platform, did you build it on your name or did you build each book with its own platform? Some of each. Most of my books have their own website. But there's also this overall brand of Shell Horowitz, Green and Ethical and Frugal Marketing Guy. Um. And that's a brand that reaches back, really, to 1985. Right. And uh, there's been a lot of consistency around that. I mean, uh, for a while I was calling myself the king of frugal fun when I was really pushing the frugality book. Right. But as I said, nobody bought the frugality book. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were and, all being frugal. <laughs> yeah, and now I, I know a lot more about market research than I did in 1995 when that book came out. And I would never go into that market now. What I might do, or if I were to go into that market, I would do a, a series of books that I could sell for 3 or $4, that each one would be like the travel book, the entertainment yes. book. Um, and that would have been a smarter strategy. And in fact, when I was thinking that I would revise that book, I started to conceptualize it that way. And then I thought, good Lord, Shell, it just took you seven years to sell the first print one. Why do you want to go through this again? Go, go write something that people will buy. So... I did. Well, actually, in this economy right now, I know a lot of blogs that would blog about a book like that and that would encourage people to purchase it um, because yeah. of, because there are so many blogs now that are written toward saving money. And, of course, the people writing the blogs want to make money, so they would use, for instance, the Amazon affiliate program to sell your book to their readers so that they could make a little percentage off of it as well. And they would push it to their audiences. But again, that's a whole new marketing machine that you're not integrated with yet. So you would. Yeah, and, and I, you know, certainly when that book came out, there weren't blogs, but there nope. were lots and lots of frugality newsletters. And I was written up in a lot of them. As I said, that book was very sexy to the media. And the frugality press loved it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to hear somebody telling you that you can pinch pennies and still have a good time. This was in the era when any decision from the Taiwan Gazette was telling people, cut rubber bands in half to make two rubber bands. Well, <laughs> not, 
<laughs> you can buy a thousand rubber bands for like two bucks. Why yeah, I know. You waste your time cutting them in half. I know. You can get them for free when you buy broccoli at the supermarket. I mean, give me a break. Um, <laughs> but I was telling people, here's how you can see top name entertainment for free. Here's how you can dine for five to fifteen dollars a person. Here's how you can travel to exotic locations and not have any lodging cost. Right. Uh, you know, I was saving people a lot more money than she was, and I was doing it on the fun things. Yeah. So the, the, the Frugality Press, you know, um, Taiwan Gazette didn't actually review it, but there were four or five Frugality newsletters that did, plus a lot of mainstream major media. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. It, it, and one of the, here's a little, if you have not yet signed up for helpareporter.com and reporterconnection.com. Everybody who's listening here, grab a pen and write those down. Helpareporter.com, reporterconnection.com. These are two services that's um, three times a day for Harrow, help a reporter out, but the out is not in the domain name. And once a day from Reporter Connection, they send a document with queries from reporters saying, I need help with this story. I'm looking for sources. Well, hello, is it going to be easier to get press coverage sending out a cold press release or answering a reporter who says, I need somebody to talk about green marketing? Yeah, exactly. And that's actually how we found each other. Is yeah, you that... something and I responded. Yeah, I put it and in. And um, last year I was quoted or cited in 143 news stories. The year <laughs> before, the number was 131. You love Harrow. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm a total publicity slut. I, I confess. But you know what? You have a topic that is so timely, but yet is so old. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just got a new name. It's always been there. You know, there's always been people doing organic gardening and, oh, yeah. you know, doing grassroots marketing and, you know, trying to be green. But now there's a name for it. And yeah. um, now you just update stuff and, and you can you can recycle, which is green, your old content. Oh, yeah. And I have been doing that. <laughs> but I've also been generating new content. Right. And it, it is, as I said, a much more aware world than it used to be of this. And uh, certainly uh, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth helped bring awareness of climate change. The Fukushima disaster reminds us that nuclear power is a very stupid and dangerous technology and incidentally my very first book written in 1980 well published in 1980 and actually written in 1979 after three mile island was about why nuclear power is really stupid and i've seen nothing to change my mind i actually updated that book last year for a japanese publisher and i'm like you want to bring this old thing back really you know it was written in 1979 and it was actually a rewrite of an older book that one of my co-authors had done in 1969 but so uh, look at the, but look at, but look at what happened in Japan. Yeah, with so the tsunami. Fukushima, but I, I would have gone and, and looked for a newer book to republish. But apparently, this company had actually uh, done an edition that I never knew about of the original book that came out in 1980. Okay, uh, and somehow I never got told about that. <laughs> so I was actually internationally published in my early 20s and had no clue. No clue. Uh, yeah, and some reason it never maybe because uh, i don't know how to type the japanese characters in my name but when i used to search for myself in alta vista and later google i never saw a reference to it but anyway i was actually i was off in turkey giving a, a speech in istanbul last year and i get this email from a literary agent in japan saying we're trying to track down your co-authors we want to bring this book back into print after fukushima 
And I said, well, if you're going to use this old thing, you should let me update it. So I talked my way into a $1,500 contract to write a 10-page new introduction okay. of all the things that have happened with nuclear power in the last 30 years or so. And yeah. um, uh, that was actually more than I had gotten to do the original book in 1979. Okay. So I doubled my income on that project and uh, also can now justify to the tax people that, yes, I really am writing about green uh, stuff, not just green marketing, but, you know, energy issues. Uh, right. So, you know, any workshop I go to, whatever, continues to be deductible. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, this, and, and now at this time, of course, they sent me copies of the Japanese edition, which has this uh, very pretty cover that looks like a novel. I don't read Japanese. But, but you still uh, have it. <laughs> I still have it, and I'm told that the, there's a line on the cover that translates as a message from 30 years ago. Nice. <laughs> Okay, I'll nice. take it, you know, somebody wants to pay me $1,500 to write 10 pages, I will take it. Yep. Now, we've, okay, so we've given some advice to new authors and, and you know, build your, build your platform. What other marketing advice would you give them in addition to building your platform? Now, if you're a new author and you know you're going to do a couple of series of books, would you recommend that you market your name as a brand or immediately break off into the separate um, uh, well, platform for each series book. identity. I mean, series know, Harry Potter, think of the chicken soup, think of the, the dummies guides. The dummies guides, incidentally, and the chicken soup books, they have many, many authors involved. The chicken soup books all say Jack Hanfield and Mark Victor Hansen, but somebody else, a lesser-known person, actually assembled the anthologies. Right. Uh, other than the first few that they did themselves. And that's the, the Jay Levinson model also. If you see a guerrilla marketing book, it'll say Jay Levinson and Shell Horowitz. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jay doesn't have subject matter expertise in all the things that he's got books about. But he knows how to connect with people who do. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that's a really good, that's, that's something really good for people to yeah. keep in mind. And I, I would definitely brand the series, but I'd also brand your name. If you don't have your own name.com, and your name isn't John Smith, or, you know, go grab it. Um, it domains are cheap. <laughs> yep. Um, and actually, if you don't, if you have to get it with the hyphen, go ahead. Uh, or, or think about, you know, some variation like um, Shell Horowitz Marketing, Marketing Wizard. Exactly. You know. exactly. I mean, shellhorowitz.com was available when I, when I got it. Um, although, right. even as far back as before Google, I, the first time I searched for myself online, I was using Alta Vista. And I got 60 hits, and 59 of me, them were me, and this other one was some record company executive in Portland, Maine, also <laughs> named Shell Horowitz. And he later actually got a job in this area, and we uh, met a few times, and uh, he actually, I, I did some client work for him, and, and he is on my joke list. That's <laughs> it's funny. It's always very weird when I get an email from him. It's like, wait a minute, I'm Shell Horowitz. Who's writing to me is Shell Horowitz? Who's writing to me? Because, <laughs> you know, my name isn't John Smith. There are not that many of us. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, if, if he had gotten there first, I would have figured out another way to put my name in a domain name. Right. And that's another really good point. And then you can point to all your projects from that. One yeah. main domain, and uh, that's that's pretty much what I've done with with yeah. a bunch so of my I would stuff. Get a, a name domain. I would get a domain that's about your key, what we call in the marketing world, unique selling proposition. So mm-hmm. a benefit-focused domain. Um, in my case, greenandprofitable.com would be that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and, and domains for all your books. You can go to GorillaMarketingGoesGreen.com, but if you can't spell Gorilla Marketing, and Gorilla is G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A, that was the one big mistake Jay made as he came up with a brand that nobody can spell. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, so if that's too hard to remember, I can send people to Green and Profitable, and they can get the book that way. Right. And, and you know, one of the other things that I do while we're talking about domain names is that before I start a series of books... I go look and see if the domain name is available. Absolutely. Or what variation I will rename the series based on what is available and what I can buy and what mm-hmm. is memorable. And yeah, totally. That's that's a fun thing to do if you go to Nameboy or you know some of these other places that will spin domain names for you. Um, you can and we'll tell you which ones are available it's a lot of fun to put in your keywords or what you think you want a, your book to be and then finding out if the domains are taken or what variations you might want to go with and you can come up with some things that are pretty fun and realistic yeah and I, I've never automated that process I've just done it myself and usually my first step is I just pop the domain that I'm thinking about into the navigation bar and see what happens. Right. And if I get a page not found, then I explore whether the domain is owned. Right. If I don't get a page not found, I just move on. Right. Yeah, I have a variety of tactics, but usually I will make sure that the domain is available way before I write the book. And oh, yeah. I, Although I do find that sometimes I end up with domains with what I think the book is going to be called. Like, I bought <laughs> winwinmarketing.com because I thought the principal profit was going to be called winwinmarketing. Right. And then I went to one of the publishing discussion forums, and I said, um, I'm doing this book called Win Win Marketing. Here are some subtitles I'm thinking of. And three or four people who I respect deeply, people who are really industry experts, said, you don't have your main title yet. Ah. Uh, do not call it Win Win Marketing. There's a lot of negative baggage that you'll bring out with that. Yeah, that's so, true. Um, it took me a long time to come up with the title Principal Profit Marketing that puts people first, which is a much better title than Win-Win Marketing. And where I finally got it a couple of months into the process, having brainstormed dozens, maybe hundreds of names, did dozens of names for Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green, too. Uh, but those were a little easier because I knew it had to say Guerrilla Marketing in it. Right. <laughs> and, um, uh, what, what finally got me is I decided I would ask Jimmy Carter for an endorsement. And Ooh. one thing knew that Jimmy Carter and his mail opener were my audience. The nice. The title just came to me, boom, instantly. Under three minutes, I had the title and the subtitle. Nice. Um, Carter, it turns out, does not endorse books for people he's not related to. Okay. But I get a nice Christmas card from him every year now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Along with probably 500,000 other people. That's nice. And, uh, you know, so knowing who your audience is is really helping to sharpen your message. And uh, it's amazing. It's yeah. Yeah. And a struggle in three minutes once I knew who my audience was. Yep. And, and that's basically, it's the same thing as the writing process. You can be writing for three months and all of a sudden the aha moment comes in three months later and you're throwing away the stuff that you started with and you're working from that point forward. Because yeah. all of a sudden your message became clear to you in your own writing. Yeah. So I've bought a lot of domains over the years that I never developed because the project either didn't materialize or uh, I changed the focus of it. I I was going to start a green marketing association, and I I bought a couple of domains related to that, and I let them go because Mm -hmm. I realized that there was interest 
in starting an association, but there was not interest combined with other people willing to do a significant amount of the work. And the issue of time zones became very stressful when you tried to have a meeting and you've got people in Asia and people in Africa and people in Europe and people in the United States. You can't have a meeting. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit problematic. Yeah, Skype is wonderful, but, you know, you still have to all be awake. You still have to all be awake. <laughs> Well, Shell, it's been wonderful talking to you. You've shared some really great information and a lot of really awesome stories. What one last tidbit would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, first of all, everybody should be building their list, and I'm going to build mine. You can subscribe to my newsletter if you go to greenandprofitable.com. In the upper right-hand corner of the homepage, you'll see a subscription blank, and you'll also see the freebies that come with that is a significant number. I'm a big believer in freebies that come with things. I mean, if you buy grassroots marketing for authors and publishers, there are a number of bonuses that come with that if you order from me directly. Because it's traditionally published and they like to see things like a high Amazon count, if you buy Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green, you actually get $2,000 worth of extra bonuses, and you can buy it from anywhere as long as you register it on my site. Oh, cool. I've seen some authors doing that. We'll have to do a podcast just about that tactic um, because I've seen some people doing it and then some people started to do it because you'll go to their book on Amazon and do the look inside the book and you'll click on the link and it goes to a dead page. Mm-hmm. And somebody needs to tell these folks that they're wasting, they're, they're losing money. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and they're losing traffic. So, yeah. um, so hopefully we'll get you on a couple of future podcasts. I know we talked about a couple of other topics. And um, do you have a Twitter and Facebook where people can find you? Absolutely, yeah. My name, S-H-E-L-H-O-R-O. W-I-T is in Tom, Z is in Zebra. Shell Horowitz and Shell has one L. Okay. And that's really awesome. And I like again, I want to thank you for taking time to spend with us this afternoon. For those of you who are listening on iTunes or found us in another podcatcher, please come to bookgoodies.com and uh, do a search for Shell and you'll find this podcast and leave us some comments as to whether you enjoyed it or whether you would love to hear more information from Shell on other topics. And at the top of the page, we have a contact us form where you can recommend, uh, you can recommend people to be guests, where you can recommend topics you'd like us to talk about, and where you can um, offer to be a guest yourself. And right next to that link is a link to tell yourself about our book, and that will create a blog post for us that we can put up about your book so that people who visit our site can find um, your books in addition to the books by all of our wonderful podcasters. Um, I want to thank geekcast.fm for hosting all of our podcasts. They have a lot of really cool podcasts about marketing, internet marketing, um, book uh, book goodies obviously is there and also about work at home moms and work at home dads there's a couple different podcasts on those topics could you spell that um, g-e-e-k-c-a-s-t dot f-m so geek like in geeks and cast like in podcast dot f-m oh okay geekcast um, and it's a wonderful platform uh, a lot of my a lot of my friends have podcasts on there I have Probably, I, I have like 10 different podcast series, and, and those are all on there too. Um, and it's run by some really good friends of mine. So, 
Uh, we really want to send them to traffic and listeners. And also, if you want to find me on the internet, you can go to twitter.com slash Loxley. Um, Book Goodies has also Facebook and Twitter that is slash Book Goodies. And you can also find me at DeborahCarney.com because I grabbed my name when it was available. <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> so, once again, Shell, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest with us this evening. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. And everybody, have a great day. Thank you for listening. Get writing and just keep on keeping on. <laughs>